We shall. Let's hit it. Welcome back to part two of the last call podcast. My name is still Jamal, and I'm joined by still Ash. How are we doing? I, I still like your pants around your feet. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, happy Thursday, everyone. And with that, yeah. <laughs> oh God! And with that. It's been a relatively big week of news around the world. Um, we're going to start with some soccer. Champions League came back for the first time since December. Um, and Barca got absolutely railed by PSG. Um, Messi is miserable. He's wanted to leave forever. Um, and are you aware of a man named Kylian Mbappe? I'm not, but I'd like to point out the fact that you said you've got no more Jizz Horn Camp content and you just used the words railed and messy in the same sentence. Yeah, no, there were a lot of headlines. Things get messy. Win in Barcelona. And I was like, yeah, good grief. Um, right, take me back to Incampe or whatever his name is. Uh, Kylian Mbappe is one of the hottest prospects, um, already a superstar of the game. Um, and this has widely been talked as a passing of the torch moment um, with Messi because he's getting old um, and getting sad. So now we've got like a duo of, yeah, you know, the Ronaldo-Messi kind of rivalry. And then there's there's Mbappe and now there's a dude named Erling Haaland. Um, who, you know, the not the answer to Cristiano Ronaldo, but they're saying this is going to be the duo the new next the, yeah. generation yeah, yeah. The next um you know a dusty danger field type thing right if that's even comparable um on to some more soccer are you aware of a man named andil mpasane is that japanese food no he is a uh, south african gentleman then uh... we are talking Second division, South African football. Get excited. Okay. Okay. No, this, this, this is one of the wildest soccer stories I've ever read in my life. So he made his debut for Real Kings FC in the second division of South African football. However, he's no normal player. So he's an aspiring musician and like a celebrity influencer in South Africa. But... Obviously, he has a passion for football. So his parents bought Real Kings FC and made him their only signing for the transfer window. And he is also the club chairman. What? (laughs) So let's say if uh, Andy Lee, a bad example, but just like Andy Lee, uh, you know, man about town, Celebrity kind of person. Big if Carlton he, supporter. Big Carlton supporter. If his parents bought Carlton and then signed mm-hmm. him to Carlton. Marg and what's his dad's name? His mum's name is Marg at least. Greg. Marg and eh, I can't Greg. remember. Anyway. It doesn't matter. If if they bought Carlton just for the sole purpose of getting Andy to play football, and if they made him club chairman as well. Nepotism FC. 
<laughs> I just think that's a good. It's like I I would almost understand the parents buying the club and just like signing him just to play, but the fact that they they also made him the club chairman is question. Just, just chef's kiss. Go on. Can he play? As in, is he any good? Yeah. Uh no, no good. No good. No. Um, like genuinely no good. Oh, he's okay. Is like, he at the standard of uh, second division South African football? Yeah. He's probably a C plus player. I saw 15 minutes of highlights, and by highlights, I just watched the 15 minutes he was on the field. So, look, I mean, it's still ridiculous, but it's probably less egregious than it would be if he was like one of our parents buying a second division football league no, if, if, uh, football parents, club. if his parents bought manchester united and then signed him that would yeah be, yeah yeah like that's he's not that level he's like yeah so buying nepotism fc and putting him in is probably less bad than buying man city or man United. yeah honestly uh oh, not a worse case you know how would you be you sidle up as the manager sorry wayne rooney you're out old mates in yeah old, old mates in I don't have a boss. I don't have a choice. He's the chairman. Yeah. He's like, I'm your boss, but also you're my manager. So where am I going? Like, where am I playing? Sorry, sorry, Scott Pendlebury. Eddie's playing this week. Oh, my God. Did we touch on that last week? Oh, I, I have. We'll I, touch on it in our political show. I was like, I have absolutely nothing to say. The uh, last hall. The last hall featuring Matt Hall. Um. More soccer news. Everton beat Liverpool at Anfield for the first time since 1999. That's uh, big. Yeah. Liverpool have officially gone off the deep end. They are down horrendous. Um, and just to cap off the soccer talk, um, we talked about it a bit offline. A sports bet uh, docket was going viral. A man put a 10-leg multi on. He put $1 on it for 12K. Now, there was a game this morning, which I was watching, Brighton Crystal Palace, and he needed a draw. And in the last 20 seconds, Christian Benteke, wonder volley, not wonder volley, it was actually pretty average. The goalkeeping was horrendous. Um, Lost the game. 20 seconds. 20 seconds. He lost them. Did he cash out? Nah. This... Wow. Um, as your resident multi-expert listeners, <laughs> if you get to that situation, cash out. It was one... I think he had like three and a half grand cash yeah. out. You cash it was three and a half, mate. Off, off one dollar? I would have cashed out at one and a half grand. I thought you got to say one and a half dollars. I'm like, ooh. Expensive. I was going to say I was going to say 350 and then I was like, eh, maybe I wouldn't. No, but, but yeah, isn't that just ridiculous? Yeah. It, it was heartbreaking too. Cause I, I was watching it knowing that I was like, oh, this, this guy's in for 12 grand. And then there was just That's a clap. So devastating. It was literally the 95th minute of the game. It'll come out in 15 years. Sportsbet paid the goalkeeper to let it go through. <laughs> yeah. Sportsbet have got uh, wide arms, you know, uh, deep pockets. They've got many contacts. Yeah, just to stop a 12K bet from going through. On that note, to do something that I haven't 
done yet on the podcast and don't plan on doing in the future. And it's going to sound much like a, uh, a spot, a paid plug, but it's actually an unpaid plug. The Titus O'Reilly book, the, uh, right. The rise fall and rise again of sports gambling in Australia is a very, very good and informative book about the history of gambling in Australia. I will. It's a few years old. Get on it. It's it's really good. Actually, it's now that you bring it up, it's funny um, listening to American podcasts now because they've recent, not re- like relatively recently started um, like legalized sports gambling, and just the ads are just ridiculous. Yeah, this goes back to like the whole history of horse gamble, horse racing, gambling, and everything. Like yeah. the track, and yeah. Um, what else have I got for news? Last bit of news. Um, we have another quarterback trade in Tom the- Brady's gone where? Uh, on holiday. Uh, to, probably to the to, farm. To Mexico, more to kill. Yeah, he's retired. He's somewhere making out with his kids. With with Giselle. Making out with his kids. Have you seen that video? No. Tom Tom oh, it was a couple of years ago. Tom Brady's like um just lying down. Slipping on the tongue. Up, and his kid, and he just Fully kisses his kid on the mouth. Multiple. Well, as long as there's no tongue, that's probably all right. Oh, you never know. As long as, well, he probably thought it was Giselle. Uh, still, just anyway. Um, anyway, to get away from that interesting topic. Uh, are you aware of a gentleman named Carson Wentz? Uh, I, I saw his name on Twitter this morning, so I assume this is what this is about, but yes. I wasn't. So, so he got traded from Philadelphia to Indy um, for a third round draft pick and a conditional second draft pick, uh, second round draft pick, which conveys to a first if Indianapolis make the playoffs. And he plays over 70% of the games, I think, which is likely to happen. Um, India are a good team. And if Wentz stays on the field, then he'll be fine. Um, Wentz was an MVP caliber player in 2017 when uh, Philadelphia were making their run to the Super Bowl. I don't know if you remember that run. And like, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So he was like second in MVP voting before he went down with a shoulder, I think. And then, you know, Nick Foles carried him home. Uh, but ever since then, he was, um, he's just been on a downward trajectory and genuinely statistically was a bottom three quarterback um, last year. But, it's one of those things. He was a number two draft pick. He has, he's only what, 25. He's still got great upside. Like we know what he can do. Um, it's just one of those things where maybe a change of environment was needed. Yeah. Uh, but this does mark the, well, we've had two trades. Uh, was it 20, 2016 draft? Jared Goff went one. He got traded like two weeks ago. And now the second quarterback's getting traded. So. Interesting. Interesting how that goes. Question to you. Hmm. Is there a sport in the world with more convoluted contracts than the NFL? Uh, like contracts or like... Like that, that one you just described, how it will confer... Convey to a first... Convey <laughs> to a first round if they make the playoffs and he plays more than 70%. And it... Basketball is very similar. Actually, if you do... If you is look... the APL similarly convoluted? Are Australians just basic? Yeah. Soccer contracts are 
so wild. Because I know soccer contracts are wild because you have to deal with the club and the player like separately, right? Oh no, just in terms of like incentives and like there's ulterior motives. So like you can buy a player. So if you loan a player in, um, you can give like a option to buy or like a future fee yeah, yeah. if they reach this many games. And if you, so let's say it's 10. And if you get to eight games and, you know, let's say this player's a right back and all your right backs get injured, but this player is actually shit and you don't want to pay 15 million for him. Some clubs will just be like, yeah, we're just playing without a right back for the rest of the season because I don't want to pay $15 million for this fucking blowhard. So I've chosen the wrong stream in law. I need to be in sports contracts. Oh, mate, that's where the real money is. Because A, it would be very interesting, and B, it just, it sounds so complicated. Some of those overseas contracts, and yeah. like if I could br- if I could bring that into the AFL, just to... oh, you'd be a regular. Oh, just imagine you being like a sports agent, lawyer, one of those guys yeah. who walks around in real fancy suits and gold chains. Yeah, I could be. I could start my career defending people at the tribunal. Work your way up. My way up, and then eventually replace Andrew Dillon as general counsel of the AFL. I mean, uh, I mean, it, it's a possibility, but it is a possibility. Well, um, with that being said, unless you have any other news that you wanted to talk about, I do not. I would like to ask a question about the worldwide news sting. Why does it go so quiet in the middle? Is that just for my benefit to the listeners here at going just dropping out in the middle and coming back good question let's play it again and then it just like dies in the middle i think it like fades i don't know but then normally it comes back yeah a free 10 second clip off youtube (laughs) um do you have a list or has the list also been replaced with the previous well yeah, so I'm just doing the previews at the moment. So if we wanted to jump into some previews or if you want to do, do a rant first, what are we feeling? Um, I might go with the lament. The lament and the multi, then we can do your previews, then my alt, and then... Sounds good. We're heading into Ash's lament. Let's bring it. Dear Mr. President, there are too many states nowadays. Please eliminate three. I am not a crackpot. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Wait, give me something. Give me something. That... Ah. Ah. This one, Brett. What? Well, the sting's still going. We're good. We're done. Yeah, no. Um, it breaks my heart this one this week, uh, as the lament concerns one of my all-time favourite Australian cricket players, big boy Aaron Finch. Ah, oh, what? Proud Victorian boy from Colac. Finch. He's long been one of the most destructive players in world cricket. Holds the record for the highest ever individual score in an international T20 lasting 172 off 76 balls back in 2018 against the powerhouse of Zimbabwe. Sheesh. Sadly, 
recent times haven't been so kind to Finchie. With his last 10 innings, including nine for the Renegades in the Big Bash and his recent outing against New Zealand Monday night, yielding scores of 18, 8, 0, 14, 13, 0, 10, 4, 6, and 1. For most players, this would ordinarily probably be enough for a batsman to lose his spot in the Australian side. However, the fact that he's captain probably is the only reason Finchie's endured. Mm. The question now becomes how long can he keep his spot in that highly competitive batting lineup without improving his form drastically? Um, this is particularly worrying given that it's a T20 World Cup year. Um, as we discussed in the last part, interestingly, he went unsold at the IPL auction last week. That's a sign that the Indian contingent at least no longer rate him as the destructive force that he has been for the past decade. Um, as former Australian skipper Michael Clark put it, someone has to be wrong here. Either all of the franchises at the auction are mistaken or the Australian selectors are wrong. Mm. It can't be possible for a batsman to be good enough to be the captain of the Australian limited oversides yet not be good enough to get on a list at the world's premier T20 tournament. That is a fair shout. And sadly for Finchie, time may be running out for him to prove that the faith shown in him is the right call. Um, I mean, nobody knows what's in the Australian selectors heads, but I would think if he doesn't turn it around by the end of this series, serious questions have to start being asked. Um. He's probably, in a way, he's probably lucky that probably the incumbent to his captaincy in that T20 side is probably Alex Carey, mm. um, who's not even with the squad because he was in the test squad. Yeah. Having said that, as we discussed in the last part as well, Matthew Wade, Mitch Marsh, and especially Glenn Maxwell also have very, very significant and good captaincy experience at T20 levels, so... And I would argue Glenn Maxwell's an even better captain than Aaron Finch, even though Finchie is a very, very good captain. So I would like to see him get back in form because he's a great captain, a great bloke and a great batsman when he's going. But I think time's probably running out for him to find that form again. I hate to say, well, if he, so if he doesn't perform at this um, series, it, does he keep the captaincy for the next whatever series? Oh yeah. That, that's the question. Cause I, I'm not sure how many series we've got before the World Cup after this one. I don't think this is the last one because the World Cup's at the end of the year. Sure. Um, And I... So, I don't know. I think he probably does. Well, yeah, I don't know. He will play all games on this tour, Mm -hmm. definitely. Um, And if he still is struggling for form in all five matches. Like this is one of the longest T20 series we've played probably ever, but it would be the longest T20 series we've played ever, probably equal. Um, and if he doesn't manage to get any runs, then I don't know. The thing is like, if, if he, the only way he's not captain in the next, in the side for the next squad is if he's not in the squad, they're not going to demote him from captain to just somebody in the squad. I don't think. Yeah. Right. Um, because he's a very, very good captain still. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting because like I'd like to see Maxwell as the T Twenty captain if Finch isn't the captain, but I think it'll be Alex Carey. You would like to see Glenn Maxwell as the prime minister of this country. Yeah, well, I would. That's true, but I mean, even you can't deny that he is a very, very good. Well, he appears to be a good captain. He appears to be level-headed, and yeah. Um, even if his batting's not always as would be liked. Um, yeah, I think no one's batting is as we would like at the moment. That's true. Um, but yeah, that's the lament, and it is much more than any other week. It is a lament because I am quite sad about how Finchie's tracking. The the sad one. Well, that's the lament. How are we feeling for a multi? Are we ready? Well, to... yeah, let's just continue the lament into the multi, I guess, because it's not good. Are we ready to win? Listeners, you can't see this, but Ash looks very defeated right now. Do you remember last week's multi? Uh, no. Do you remember what I, my logic behind it? I'll, I'll take you back. Is this a Danish handball one? There was five legs. Yeah. Because I wanted to win. Mm-hmm. I didn't care about the price. There's five legs paying $4.60. Oh yeah, these are all at a fucking dollar two. A dollar twenty-four, dollar twenty, dollar thirty-three, dollar fifty, dollar fifty-five. Do you know how many legs got up? One. One. <laughs> we were in the the esports on um I think it was the League of Legends. We were on Rotterdam to beat Echo Zulu. No, dollar twenty-four couldn't get it done. The handball were on Kobe to beat Erlingen. Dollar twenty, nah, couldn't get it done. <sighs> We're on the Brumbies to beat the Western Force. Yeah, the Canberra side came through, thank God. Atletico Madrid to beat Levante, nah. Ah, oh, that was a brutal game. And Draco Rodriguez to beat Zahibi, nah. What sport is that? Oh, that was uh, a- UFC. Oh, you should have put. So a- we had five legs with the most, the riskiest leg pack, a dollar fifty-five. And four of them lost. Yikes. Week of the underdog. So for the first time, I don't hold much hope for the multi. Uh, maybe this is what we need to do. We need to stop placing faith in it. Just, you know, send out the reverse psychology vibes out there. So we're going risky. Yeah, let's go. Leg one, we're going to the European Handball Champions League. We are on... Itas Trentino against the Berlin Recycling Volleys, and they are paying a whopping ten dollars sixty. Sorry, no, that's wrong. Dollar oh six. <laughs> Big risk. Uh, leg, leg two, the Melbourne victory to defeat the Western United in the A League. Oh, mate, I can already tell you that leg is not getting up. Two dollars forty five. Aren't Western United the really shit people that played in Ballarat last week? Yeah, but Melbourne Victory are, haven't been good since 2014. No, I have some faith in the victory. Archie Thompson's going to score the winner. He, I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure he's commentating tonight's game. <laughs> well, Mark Viduka, then. Yeah, Dukes will come back. Maradona? Woof, rest in peace. Um, okay, well, we'll for leg three, we'll go to the Spanish Handball League. Oh, two hand, no, sorry, 
Um, the first league was the European Volleyball Champions League. Mm. So now we go to the Spanish Handball League, and we're on Adama Leon against Angel Jimenez P. Genil. Yeah. And it's paying $1.33. Genil a no shot. Uh, and then for the fourth leg, we go to a sport I know nothing about. It is the something. And we're on some side called the Adelaide Crows to defeat St. Kilda. Yeah. Uh, $1.15. So the multi all up is paying a whopping $3.97. It's, it's the $1.06 that gets me. Well, I thought it was $10.60, but I was mistaken. Right. When you're playing a team that has recycled yeah, recycled recycling in it, they're probably a part-time volunteer charity workers. Yeah, they find they got their volleyball practice at the like tip. Yeah, just finding old <laughs> volleyballs. Uh, uh, and that is the lament and the multi for this week, the last week of summer. Fuck it is too. Wow, how depressing. And Jamal's last week of holidays. Yeah. I completely forgot February had 28 days and here I am sitting with my dick in my hand. Uh, All right. Well, I'm, I'm glad this is a podcast, not a vodcast. No, no jizz joke intended. And not ready for uni at all. So. In fairness, mate, all the months have 28 days. Yeah, it's true. Some just have a couple extra. Just a couple springs. more more time for you to sit with your dick in your hand. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of dicks in our hands, I like. Might not be over yet. Five seconds to go. Oh, let it bounce. Thirteen. Thirteen. <laughs> Can you believe it? He's kicked thirteen on the siren. Uh, the list has once again been moved over for week two of AFL previews, and we're starting off. I'm going to keep this one brief because I, I, I feel like you'll have a lot of uh, input. Oh, yeah, it's free. Yeah. Um, we're talking the GWS. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're talking the Bombers. So what are we up to? All right. Essendon. The Bun and Young Bombers? Yeah, the Bunny Bombers. Bunny. The right. Tiwi Bombers. <laughs> the Tiwi. Um, a mixed season. Um, they had the third worst percentage in the league despite finishing 13th um, with a poor locker room with Danaher always injured, kind of injured, not really, and Fantasia on the way out. Um, I feel like they vastly underperformed this year, but with... Wait, wait, you missed... Saad went to Carlton and McKenna went home halfway through the season to Ireland, oh, wow. halfway through a pandemic... That's CG. He said, "See you later." Um, yeah. So the outs, some some pretty big outs: Danaher, Saad, Fantasia, McKernan. He's just out. McKernan is big in size, not in skill. Yeah. Well, um, in Petey Wright, Jai Caldwell, Nick Hind, and the three uh, draftees: Perkins, Cox, and Reed. Um, with Essendon underperforming last year and um, an AFL-proven spine, I feel like. Well, I don't know. Danaher left, but was he proven? Um, and some exciting ins. Caldwell and Cox looking very promising out of the draft. Um, what are the expectations for a team 
that seems to be in a bit of a limbo. Um, funnily enough, I think Matthew Lloyd, ex-Essendon champion, probably summed it up best. Um, I think Essendon have gone back a little bit this year in order to go forward. Mm. I think probably not through any desire of our own, probably through necessity and losing that Danaher, Fantasia, Saad experience um, and McKenna back home to Ireland. Uh, we've sort of got rid of like those guys have left and we've sort of brought in kids instead, even at like our big name other club recruit was Jai Caldwell, who's what, 21. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the one we went really hard to poach is Josh Dunkley, who was 22. So it was clearly an effort to bring in youth and develop it. We've got a new coach under a vastly different structure from the old coach. Um, and from all reports is uh, a lot stricter and a lot more sets a lot higher standards than worse fall than that regime did. Um, puts a lot more emphasis on the history and the culture of the Essendon football club, trying to make people understand like this club's 125 years old. Like these are the people that have come before you just trying to like instill that in young blokes. So they will a play for the jumper, but hopefully develop some loyalty to the jumper and not leave, which is probably actually not a, not a bad idea from um, first time coach Ben Rutten. Cause he's seen that in recent years, players tend to be a lot more, willing to leave clubs and chop and change yeah. um, sort of in their prime or just before their prime, which can sort of be really disadvantageous, disadvantageous to clubs that have spent a lot of time and money and resources investing in players and then don't get those prime years out of them. Mm. So I think that's probably not a bad idea. And I think most Essendon supporters would be happy with that to go maybe backwards for a year and not really advance up for a couple of years if it means that we're going to go higher than we have for the last, what's it been? It's now 17 years since we've won a final. Mm. Um, By all reports, Archie Perkins looks pretty close to being able to play. Um, Cox is 201 centimetres, won the time trial, trains with the midfielders. That's how good his tank is and how good his speed is. Um, Tipper looks and by all reports is a lot fitter. Jake Stringer was in the shape of his life before he had a, an Achilles slash ankle injury, but he's still in really good shape. Heppel's in better fitness than he's been in for years. Um, other than Stringer, the one sort of big concern is Michael Hurley. Mm. Um, has been in and out of hospital with a quite a serious hip infection to the point where some people aren't even sure he'll ever play again. Jesus. I didn't say that. Fuck. Um, yeah. And like people aren't saying that officially, obviously, but there are fears that it, it's that serious, that it's more just not an issue. It's not just an issue of when he'll be back trading and playing. It's just an issue of if he'll be back. Yeah. And just general health. I guess. Um, but yeah, it would appear that the coaching staff of, uh, rejigged quite a few players' positions with quite a bit more emphasis on sending some players back, which probably makes sense given the fact that we've lost Saad and McKenna, who were our sort of halfback weapons. Um, I think Dyson Heppel's been reinvented to be a halfback. Jane Laverde has been reinvented to be a defender. Um, young Ned Cahill's been playing in defence. So, uh, 
Yeah, as with probably the last four or five years, since Danaher was really in his peak in that 2016 year, I think it was, the issue is going to be who's going to score our goals. Um, Peter Wright will be a good target up there, probably. Uh, Jake Stringer, if he's fit, obviously is a, a like a first-class forward if he's fit. Yeah. Um, same with Tipper. Uh, Tipper wasn't fit and didn't look hugely interested for the entire 2020 Kyle Langford's the one kid that has really come on leaps and bounds as a Ford. Um, but yeah, and hopefully some of those kids, hopefully Archie Perkins or someone can play on that half forward flank and kick a few. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think that's going to be the biggest issue because like our midfield looks all right. Sam Draper's a really good young Ruckman. Our back line's pretty solid. That depends if Hurley comes back. Yeah, but even without Hurley, like, Kyle Hooker's a very good key position backman. Paddy Ambrose has developed into a really good one as well. There's a couple of those um, sort of, they're not really kids anymore, but like young to mid-20s players that have been really good across the back line, Mason Redmond and the like. Jordan Ridley's 20 and he won our best and fairest last year across yeah. the back line. Yeah, I'd love to say it. Um, what do you think their ceiling is? Look, I mean, their ceiling, I think I think they can play finals, but I don't think they will. Yeah. I think they'll be about 12. Yeah, so this is a, Ish. a building building year before. Yeah. yeah, and I think most Essendon supporters would accept that sort of middle part of the, like, upper part of the bottom 10. Yeah, sure. As long as it looks like things are improving. Because, like, obviously we've had sustained, what's the, failure. Um, yeah, mediocrity, but like when you're not when you haven't won a final since 2004, I think that's failure. It's not just mediocrity. That's true. Even Fremantle have played a grand final in the past ten years. So, um, obviously the supplement saga had a big impact on that, and we're just sort of just getting over that now. There's still a few players that were around during that and got banned, but it's thinning out. Yeah, and with coaches and staff and stuff as well. So I think that's starting to be behind us a lot more, but obviously the supporters lived through it. And I think most would be happy to see um, us not play finals or not challenge to win finals for the next probably two years. If it looks like we are going to go up and get there. Yeah. Cause like even in the last couple of years when, cause there have been years in the last few years where we've made finals, but we've never really looked like winning one. We've always just looked like we're there to make up the numbers. And it's shown in those first finals when we get smashed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. Anything else on Essendon? <sighs> um, probably not. Other than last year's results were kind of misleading in the fact that we were six and two, but we had the easiest run for the first eight weeks. We didn't play any good sides for the first eight weeks. And then we played all the good sides and we just lost, 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 lost. A range of pause. Fremantle Dockers. I'm going to start with the ins and outs because it's a very small list. Out. Jesse Hogan. Bit of a who cares. One in. And that is a, well, one notable in. And that's a Heath Chapman. A draft kid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who? So, <laughs> Heath Chapman, key defender. Um, got picked, I want to say 11, so somewhere around there. Um, 
again, a relatively anonymous season for the Dockers, who will always uh, be competitive due to, oh, relatively competitive, um, due to the star talent of Nathan Fife, um, surrounded by decent young talent and some Frio lifers. However, uh, this season, there's been very little turnover in the offseason, only building through the draft. Um, the ceiling on this team seems to be tied to the development of the players at the club. Um, so is there anyone we can expect to step up this year in, in a Robin to Nat Fife's Batman? Because, yeah, otherwise this is just going to be another season of who cares? <laughs> Um, I wasn't expecting to be asked that uh, on the spot about Frio. Um, <laughs> uh, I've just written in questions, but just like, it's just one of those things where I'm just like, like, what have we got? We've got, obviously. Let me have a look at the Frio list. Because we've got five. Um, we've got Rory Lobb over there at the moment. Yeah, David Mundy's been there forever. He's still reliable, but. Yeah, but like, there's no clear second like michael walters goes all right i think yeah, michael walters is very good but he's never gonna be like um he's more of a forward more yeah i feel like it's hard to have um game defining impact when you're stuck in the forward pocket and the balls yeah banging around your half back line adam sarah or chera whoever you say his name might be um almost on the cusp he's what 21 mm. um he he showed some class earlier, or well, last year, twenty twenty. Um, but yeah, other than that, looking through, um, Lloyd Meek probably not. Good no, grammar boy. Uh, Caleb Sarong's going to be a very very good footballer, but again, he's only twenty, and he's just turned twenty two weeks ago. Um, he might have. Did he win the NAB Rising Star? Uh, I have no idea. I think I think he might have. Um, so he's going to be a very good footballer, but uh, yeah, there, there's not that huge um, midfield battery around Fife like there is at some clubs, and like there is around, say, Lockie Neal at Brisbane and yeah. Dangerfield at Geelong. Yeah, no, I feel like there's just like I don't know. I was doing research. I was like, what What do I know about Fremantle right at this second? Like, there's there's Fife and. That's about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, their coach, I think their coach goes pretty well. Justin Longmuir. Most people have good things to say about him. Yeah. Seems very well respected. Seems pretty switched on. Yeah. Uh, well, um, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Because it'll be this season, they'll, you know, finish 10th. And then, you know, some random dude that I've never heard of who came up from the waffle will have an absolute belter of a season. Um, yeah. But yeah, I've, I, I, I think I said it before, but like, I feel like the um, season rides on the development of the players who are there. Cause they didn't bring in, you know, a Jeremy Cameron or a yeah Isaac Smith kind of thing. And as it has for the last 10 years ish, how, how well Fife goes. Cause he is that good. Yeah. And if he stays healthy, cause yeah, yeah. yeah I, <laughs> they'll always be competitive unless Fife is out and then they are rock bottom. They are, um, bottom two teams to watch just in terms of fun. Yeah, but I, I feel like Fife probably doesn't get the accolade. I mean, I know he's won two Brownlows, so it sounds stupid to say, but in discussions of the competition's most dominant players, he probably doesn't 
get involved in the conversation as much as he probably should when it's like Dusty, Dangerfield, Lockie Neal, simply because he, he's not in a good enough team. It's also the market. But but like in terms of actual one-on-one players, he's just about the most dominant player, I think. Oh, he's a nightmare. I would imagine he would be a nightmare to play against. Like he's that oh, good. absolutely because he's six foot two. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. taller, maybe. Like he's yeah. I've got his page up here. He's yeah, if, if he wasn't such a good midfielder, he'd be a great center half forward or yeah. full forward. Yeah. Like Dangerfield. Well, he, he could be. But Frio need him in the middle. Frio need yeah. 22 now. Frio, if you have 22 nat fives, you're winning every premiership. Yeah, that's true. You reckon? Yeah. If you have 22 nat fives, yes. Yeah. Because even if you lose the hit out, you've got three nat fives at there. Well, you've got four nat fives in the center square. Yeah, that's true. But I, I reckon there's a way you can beat a team. No, nah, there's no beating four nat five, uh, 22 nat fives. Maybe I'll may, maybe I'll make that my alt alt segment for next week. My game plan to beat twenty two Nat Fives. Imagine Nat Five goes off for a rest and on comes Nat Five. Fresh Nat Five. Fresh Nat Five. Um, yeah, that's all I got for Fremantle. Unless you got anything else you wanted to discuss, any um, Hayden Ballantyne chat. I know it's retired, but is he retired? Oh, let's just go some Peter Bell chat. Yeah. Sean McManus, anybody? Rove's brother? Sure. Cousin? Yes. That's a throwback. Luke McFarlane? Yeah, Trent Crowe. Fremantle's very own. Um, next on the list, Carlton. Already injury plagued a bit. They've lost one of the Kernos. I have no idea which one. Charlie. Charlie. Likes his basketball too much. Likes his partying too much is the rumor. He, um, mm. he bets his injury. Uh, a kid named DeConing is injured. Um, they have he's good. He's good. Yeah, no, he, yeah. He's. I was say that's between Kerno, DeConing, and um, Betts. Not a good start to the season. Um, obviously, there's a wealth of bright young talent, led by arguably a I'm going to say top four talent in the AFL. Paddy Cripp. Four. I think so. Well, I reckon I just named four that are better than him. Well, no, having four Nat Fives doesn't count. No, Dusty, Dangerfield, Neil, Fife. Yeah. He more. Yeah. But yeah, no, he is right up there. We're, we're picking hairs here. Yeah, it's uh, semantics, I believe. Um, Which th- this actually is the forum to do that on, but we'll do it at another time. This is the forum. Oh, maybe we can, maybe that can be my next list. Let's pick hairs with Jamal. <laughs> um, is this the year where all the gears click into place and Carl- Carlton finally fulfilled the potential of all the high draft picks from the past 25 years? I'm not sure we go that extreme, but I think they are the side with probably the biggest upside for me from those ones that didn't make the top eight. Yeah. I think the addition of Zach Williams and Adam Saad is going to do huge wonders. Yeah, well, um, there's no outs. Um, Sam is Sam Doherty fit? Sam Doherty's fit, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. that's going to be a massive in from last year. Like he missed the entirety of last year. If Charlie Kerno can get fit, I mean Eddie Betts, I know he's good for a goal every now and then, but I don't think he's a massive loss. Um, Charlie Kerno is, but no, he's um, another one. 
Well, I mean, Charlie's six foot three and Ed's five foot three, so they're a little bit different players, but um, yeah, Cade Simpson's a big loss, but I mean, Adam Saad more than fulfills that probably. Yeah, no, I think if they stay fit and if they play well, I think there's big, big potential for Carlton. Which annoys me to say because I hate Carlton. See, I don't hate Carlton because they just suck. Like, I can't hate teams that suck because what are they going to do? They're not going to win. That's true. Actually, I almost fell in love with Carlton the year that Essendon got kicked out of the finals. Richmond finished fifth, Carlton finished ninth, and the ninth place side yeah. beat Richmond in the first final. I feel like they're all yeah. teams like that. Like, yeah, they're the yeah, comments. It's like as an Essendon supporter, I think I'm just conditioned to hate Carlton and Collingwood. Oh no, that's fair. It's it's the same. And I actually I actually hate Richmond more. Yeah, it's the reason why I unconditionally hate Geelong. Um, yeah. With a you were cursed to hate Geelong. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like there are always. I feel like Carlton's going to be one of those young, plucky teams who everyone gets behind because they're a bit of an underdog. Underdog, like the. Um, yeah, they'd be like Port Adelaide a few years ago, I think. Yeah. Um, who else? 2014 Port Adelaide. Yeah, the year they lost to... Probably uh, not as good. That's the year they lost to you in the prelim. Yeah. No, the, the year we that won. remains the, the best game of football I've ever been to. That was... I remember I, remember I was on a V-line watching that game. Um, that was yeah. hard racing stuff. Um, but yeah, like even... I feel like people are getting behind St Kilda at the moment, like just because they've got a young, decent team. They're... But yeah, Carlton might be last year's St Kilda yeah. or this year's St Kilda. St Kilda, like St Kilda of this year. Yeah, yeah. You, you know what I mean. I do know what you mean. Um, and with that being said, we're going to Carlton's parent team, uh, GWS. Another disappointing year for the Giants, who still seem to be hungover. What do you mean another disappointing year? They made the grand final last year. Or the year before. 2019. Yeah. Is that not a disappointing year? They got absolutely demolished. I'd be happy if we made the grand final and got demolished. Yeah. Well, I feel... well not happy, but happier. I, I... I wouldn't call making the grand final a disappointing year, even if you poured Adelaide it. <laughs> 300 points. Um... Yeah, no, they def- definitely a hangover from the absolute creaming they got at the uh, 2019 grand final with the yearly exodus from the Giants with some very important outs. Um, does this Giants team, which I don't know why I wrote, seemingly bereft of blue chip AFL talent, get anywhere without a huge leap from their banks of young, um, stable talent, I guess. Yeah, no, I don't think so. And I think we talked about this last week. I think it's the coach. Well, he's and he... they they may be too far gone now. They may have lost so much talent off their list that changing the coach now is uh not well, it's still an option, obviously, but maybe not the fixer it would have been if they did it at sort of twenty seventeen before they lost. The amount of talent they've lost is well even incredible. just even just this season. Out Cameron, Jai Caldwell. Zach Williams, Aiden Core, and Kyle Langdon. But like you can look at quite a few lists and just go, that's a lot of talent to have lost. To like the Essendon list has Jai Caldwell, obviously, Dylan yeah. Shield, 
Devon Smith. Um, is there another? Obviously, Carlton's got a heap, but well, yeah, like they've just lost so much. Like look at Hawthorne, John Patton, Tom. Yeah, Scott. Re- gone, gone. Who else do we get? Oh, we got no one else. Yeah, we got the shit ones, but like. Uh, who have they got in? Yeah, Jesse Hogan in. Cool. He hasn't been good for five plus years. Is it Braden Proust? Proust? Proust, yeah. Br- yeah, Br- Braden? Brandon. Yeah, Braden, I think. Yeah, one of the two. Um, He's uh, injured, though, which means one more year for the big mum dog. <laughs> He's going to get more games. Come back. Um, and they drafted Tanner Brune, um, who I really liked, but like I feel like this team is a bit rudderless with, as we said, Cameron at the helm. Is this his last year? I feel like we've been saying this just, is he Teflon? Teflon Cameron. Well, I mean. Teflon. It, it's hard to tell. Because as, as I said, he took him to a grand final last year, but I think that was more in spite of him than because of him. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he just doesn't, I don't know. He's had such talent and hasn't got anywhere near enough out of them since he's taken over. But clearly they must like him or people in charge must like him or something. So I don't know. Well, yeah, because they've still got like, and when I say uh, bereft of blue chip AFL talent, I think blue chip AFL talent, you've got Phil Davis, Josh Kelly. Whitfield. Lucky Whitfield. And like they lost Cameron. Taranto. Yeah, sure. Um, Toby Green. Yeah, if he stops fucking kicking people, maybe. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things where it's just like I feel like they've always got, you know, the next big thing, but it doesn't mean anything because they'll just leave in four years to go to literally anywhere else. Yeah, and that's what I was saying before about um, Ben Rutten's mission to instill in the young Essendon players and draftees the culture of Essendon and the history of Essendon. That's something that you can't do at GWS, obviously, because there is no history of GWS. So there's no real anything tying you to the club or the jumper or loyalty to that history. Because that, So that's something I feel like in the modern age of players being happy to move clubs and leave, that is probably something you should lean more on. And like, because I think that was a big thing in like the 60s and 70s and 80s was players wanted to go play for those big, like very proud historic clubs and i think that's been lost a little bit from our game probably due to like the almost franchising nature of sport yeah. generally but yeah um probably, so yeah. like for clubs like, like yeah clubs like essendon and carlton and collingwood and hawthorne and even like brisbane sydney west coast and stuff like they've got that and i mean all, most of the melbourne clubs have that history but those big big famous proud clubs mm should rely on that a bit more, I think, to sort of make people fall in love with those clubs. Yeah, like the pedigree. Although I feel like... Um, it's going to sound ridiculous because they were not that good last year, but I feel like Gold Coast are building something. And I know maybe they don't get the talent that GWS has, but, like, their players seem to stay. Like, obviously, we had Lynch and May leave, but, like... Yeah, um, well, and Prestier and Ablett. And... Yeah, but that was pre... I feel... <laughs> I don't know what yeah, it is. Gooey Jew. And, like, and like I, yeah, the, the history and the um, culture and stuff... It, well, sorry, the history and, like, the... 
crowd richness of it isn't a necessity. It's just one way to build that loyalty. Clearly another way is to get a bunch of young kids that enjoy playing together and a coach they enjoy playing for. And to win. Yeah, so like it's not the only way, but it is It is a, it a not, way it, they can lean on. Yeah, no. And especially, especially with a lot of young players, I feel like you've got to have a coach that you want to play for. It's like yeah. I, I know as a young person working for a boss that I absolutely hate, fuck it, I'll just leave. I'll just go to a new job. Are you kidding? Yeah, and I was the absolute opposite. In my first year of uni, I got a job for a boss that I loved and I was still there this year, yeah. five years later. So it's like, and I, like I was always covering last minute shifts and just doing whatever he wanted because he was so good to me and I liked him. So yeah, that's just, that's just a life rule. Just, you know, have a good boss. All I got to say. Um, last team on the list this week, finishing ninth, Melbourne. Very, yes. And an, another just sad season for the D's. Um, despite the solid talent they have on the roster, similarly to the Carlton, is this the year that everything clicks together? No. Got Benny Brown in. Who's injured? Yeah, he did do his knee. Um, hate to say it. Um, who's who's out? They've lost Bruce and a gentleman named Hannon. Yeah, Mitch Hannon, he was a decent player. Where's he gone? North? I believe so. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, no, I wrote this before the Ben Brown injury. <laughs> with, with the addition of Ben Brown, a caliber of forward who they haven't had since Gary Lyon and David Neitz, is this, the, is this the piece to focus Melbourne's offensive attack into a finals berth? Because I think when it's got I, good talent. I think when he's fit, he is, yeah. The, their problem, I think, they're like their midfield hasn't fired since that year they made the prelim. Because they've still got a lot of talent in that midfield. Obviously, Maxi Gorn's one of the best ruckmen in the comp. Clayton Oliver's a very good midfielder. Jack Viney, Nathan Jones. Like, there's a lot of talent there. I feel like there hasn't been much turnover either. It's still the same group. Yeah, pretty much. And yeah, they should be doing better than they are based on that year they made the prelim. Though, the, the longer that they don't do that well, the more it seems like that year was an aberration. Not an aberration. The opposite of an aberration. A fluke. Like an outlier. Yeah, yeah. Outlier, mate. Sounds like aberration. Hold up. Aberration is like a stunningly bad outlier, and a fluke is a stunningly good outlier. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, and that is AFL previews part two. Come back next week for the top eight. Get excited. Not all top eight. No. Is it eight? Eight through five. Eight through five. Yeah. We're starting at. It was eighth. What is it? St Kilda, Collingwood, Western Bulldogs. Uh, no, not Western Bulldogs. Yeah, Western, yeah, Western Bulldogs. And, and um, West Coast. No. Where have I said? Yeah, it was all Victorian, wasn't it? St Kilda, Bulldogs, Collingwood. Oh, yeah, West Coast. West Coast. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Get excited. We're getting deep into. Eddie talk next week. Hey. 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 Uh, what are we up to now? That would be my segment. Oh, Ash's alt segment. I'm ready. Uh, I don't think we have a sting. Uh, to be fair, I, I was informed of this alt segment minutes prior. That's true. Um, 
this old segment is brought to you by Jeff Kennett's um, discussion of Hawthorne relocating to Tasmania. So in honour of Jeff's idea, I've taken the liberty of relocating all 18 teams <laughs> um, for reasons that, well, will become apparent when I tell you the reasons. So the Adelaide Football Club, very proud club. We're relocating them to Flemington because the only place half their team could get a kick is in a stable. <laughs> <laughs> the Brisbane Lions we are sending to Mumbai because I'm a bitter Essendon supporter and I want to see how much Joey Danaher actually enjoys the heat that he claims to want to get to. And the uh, the very dry pitches of Chennai and Mumbai. Um, yeah, I don't think Lockie Neal could face spin to save his life. Um, Carlton we're sending to Perth because uh, that might be the only way they can possibly keep Patrick Cripps. Oh, no. That's sad. Collingwood we're sending to Siberia because we're trying to get them as far away as is fucking possible. Yeah, no, that's self-explanatory. Essendon we're sending to Amsterdam. Oh. There'll be, there'll be no more breaking any rules because they're all legal over there. Uh, Fremantle, we are sending to Launceston. They've always been shit. Launceston's always been shit. They're both kind of forgettable. Let's just banish them down there. It's really the who cares of who cares. Uh, Geelong, we're sending to Adelaide at this point, really just to troll Patrick Dangerfield. I would like that. Um, the Gold Coast, we're sending to Scoresby in East Melbourne. Do you know where Scoresby is? Yeah, no, you used to live around there. The reason for that is we're trying to get Matt Rowell as close to the Sharon factory as we possibly can and get him away from Burn Atomic. GWS, <laughs> um, we're sending to Baghdad. This was a tough one, but uh, finding somewhere with comparable quality of life was very difficult to do. <laughs> uh, Hawthorne, we are sending to North Sydney because all Hawthorne supporters think they're top shit when really nobody else can stand them at all. Oh. Oh. Melbourne, we are sending to Mount Buller to save their supporters the commute. <laughs> yeah, good shout. North Melbourne, we're sending up to Canberra. Because, again, they've always been shit. They had a few bright spots at the end of the last century, and now they're shit again. How very Canberra. Controversially, this may be the most controversial on the list, Port Adelaide, we're sending to Chernobyl. Oh, no. We're trying to give some meaning to the power. Oh, good God. Uh, Richmond, we are sending to Antarctica because it may be the only place we could possibly get Damien Hardwick to behave. I don't know. Have you seen the penguins out that way? Some of them are pretty curvaceous. (laughs) St Kilda... um, 
they can stay at St Kilda because really, who gives a fuck? Sydney, we are sending to Transylvania. We're going to see how good that Bloods culture really is. (laughs) At the very least, uh, we might be able to use some fresh blood to reinvigorate Buddy. Uh, The West Coast, we're sending to Columbia. It used used to be the drug capital, but now kind of been overtaken. Yeah. And finally, we're setting the Western Bulldogs to live in Trump Towers in New York. They had one good year, sort of late in 2016, but everything before that and since has been fucking awful. Yeah. Push out. I love that. And that was alt segment two. Love it. Although you could have gone the uh, the old power to send him to Texas. Why would we be sending him to Texas? I haven't seen what happened. There was a statewide power out for... Oh, that's right. The snowstorm. 36 hours or something. Yeah. Well, no. I, yeah. I considered sending him to Fukushima. Woof. I thought Chernobyl was the more on-the-nose nuclear disaster. Yeah, yeah. Even after all this time. Yeah, Chernobyl stays uh, relevant. Chernobyl stays relevant. Are we up to a Who Am I? I, I believe we are. Fuck yeah. I got the Who Am I this week. We're back on footy. All right. For five. This player was selected 50th overall in the 2009 AFL draft by the Melbourne Demons. Thomas, uh, wait, no, sorry, number 50. Mm. So it wasn't 2009, the Jack Trengove draft. Yeah, Scully and Trengove, wasn't it? Yeah. They went one and two. Um, Portland's finest. Max Gorn. No. I have no idea where Max Gorn was drafted, actually. I'm not sure he's that old, is he? He's not 30. 31? 30, 30. Oh, he looks about 38. But... 29? <laughs> Um, fuck, where did my page go? Uh, he was recruited for four. He was recruited from the Western Jets and attended, this probably should have been five, this is way harder, attended McKillop Catholic Regional College in Werribee. Nathan Jones. I feel like Nathan Jones is way older than 2009. Yeah, I thought maybe you got... Not Nathan um, um, A career span eight years. I played 26 games for two clubs. Jack Fitzpatrick? Correct. Jack Fitzpatrick. Um, we love Fitz. Hawthorne legend, if, not, if nothing else for that goal against Collingwood. Yeah, in- that's... It's my one of my favorite AFL moments ever. That genuinely will be a sting next week. That That's was... a better goal than Nick Davis and Daniel Wells put together. Daniel Wells, Daniel Wells. Yeah, got... you know the the one where he Jackie Chan. Ah, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, it's all right. Fifth Patrick's was better. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Every Ackermanis running towards the goal line, uh, the boundary line. Yeah. Every single one of them. Got nothing. Yep. Oh, God. Uh, unless you've got anything else, should we wrap it up with the last call? Let's do it. Said it. Um, I think we teased it earlier. Kenneth um, said some dumb shit last week. Clarko came out and said he wanted, well, not wanted, but he basically just had to roll it back. Clarkson's turning into Kenneth's PR management, and he's come out saying that we shouldn't stop at Tassie. Let's get 20 clubs. Get two extra clubs. How do you feel about yeah, two extra clubs? Yeah, that was an interesting um, comment. My question to you is, where do you put the two extra clubs? Well, obviously you got one in Tassie. Because there are th- appears to be three extra capital cities to me. Um, Darwin, Canberra and Hobart. Yeah, so, so you've probably got one in Hobart. Oh, yeah, you definitely have one in Hobart. Oh, definitely Tassie. Tassie gets a team. <laughs> it's a pro- realistically probably Canberra. And Darwin just gets shit on. Yeah, I th- yeah, probably. It's too hot, I think, to play every week. Yeah, and also, like, uh, it'll just confirm the East Coast bias of the AFL when they put their 300th team in the New South Wales region. My biggest query about that, about, was that, that was Clarkson's proposal, right? 20 teams, yeah. He said, have 20 teams but still play 20 rounds and play one side twice. If you're going to add that many teams, why wouldn't you just make it fair and play every side once? Because his his proposal is to play one blockbuster game, like whoever your blockbuster is to play twice. So that means any side whose opposing blockbuster opponent is weak gets an automatic advantage. Oh, it's almost like a rival's week. It's like West Coast basically just start with one win because Freo is shit. Yeah, that's true. Port Adelaide, the same. Who's, this year. Like, who's Tassie's rival? Yeah, well, Jeff market. Kennett. Yeah, but that, I mean, that's exa- exactly it. So the Sydney sides would play, the Queensland sides would play. You'd play Geelong, we'd play Collingwood. Carlton would play Richmond, what? probably. That's a, who plays North? Yeah, well, Hobart, I guess. So everybody, they used to play games in Hobart. Yeah, no, that's fair. I just think it's dumb because also I feel like when we had the expansion of the two teams in the early 2010s, there was such a, like it's taken us this long just to like relatively even out the playing field. And like, I feel like there was a lot of dilution of like the playing pool and talent. Um, yeah. And you've only got to look at the uh, AFLW for that. I've watched quite a bit of it over the past week because um, I've had nothing else to do. And the good sides are quite entertaining to watch, but there's too many bad sides because they've expanded so quickly. Yeah, Brisbane kicked two points the other day. Richmond AFLW side have never won a game. They've been that's in the comp for a year and a half, never won a game. That's Mount Clear under 14 reserves type energy. 
It is, yeah. It really is. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. It's just like it's it's all well and good, and you know, I'm sure um, Gil has fucking dollar signs for eyes at the moment. Thinking about 2010, Mr. Krabs style from SpongeBob. Yeah. <laughs> He's just sitting in his um, office with a brown sacks of money, but like, I, I just think it's one of those things where. Like, I don't think we've fully recovered is the wrong word. But when you think about the expansion with GWS and Gold Coast, like GWS yeah. obviously have had some time, but Gold Coast have literally never been good. Like good, good. Yeah. But I mean, I think we've discussed it before. I think that's their fault. Uh, yeah, true. But like, because they try to be competitive quick instead of comp- like properly competitive long-term, but it is what it is, I guess. And yeah, they're finally getting on their feet. And Yeah, but w- would we want another 10 years of as um, in, you know, the Canberra politicians? Yeah. Being, you know, well, I was, I was going to make a very on-the-nose Parliament House joke, but... Oh, sex offenders. Yeah, well, yes. The uh, Canberra creeps. Yeah, oh, that's, that actually sounds all right. Canberra creeps. Um, but yeah, just just the whole, well, those two teams get the top talent for the next, you know, ten years. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't want it. I, um, I don't think there's a market for it outside of Tassie. But yeah, um, but the Tassie people definitely want it by the sounds of it. So yeah, I'm um, sure they do. Just move north. <laughs> move nobody. They got they got nothing off here. Um, yeah, just follow the hurricanes. Don't worry about footy. Yeah, exactly. I'll say they. What did they do? They were. What were they fifth? They were sixth. Uh, they just missed. Someone I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, sixth, sixth. They, they didn't play. Riley Meredith's mustache. So yeah, that should be reward enough for them. That's uh, true. What do you got? I've only got one more thing. While we're on Al Clarkson, did you hear his discussion on the Dylan Friends podcast last week? I did not. He um, he said he, inside the Hawthorne four walls, over the off-season, they won their players of the four Ps. Would you t- like to hazard a guess what the four Ps may be in relation to getting you in trouble? Uh gonna say practice and i put practice would not really one of them porn or something ridiculous prostitute that's close uh the piss the punt the powder and the penis how very dad of him yeah that's a genuine discussion inside the hawthorne four walls uh about off-season behavior because he said by and large, especially for young men, if you're getting in trouble, one of those four things is going to lead to your downfall. I was literally out at a nightclub about a month ago with Will Day. So, Was he <laughs> indulging in the piss? He was on the piss. The punt? No. The powder? No. The penis? I mean, who knows? Didn't know. So two and a half. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's one of those things. This is why we're not good. <laughs> Have an update your tactics, Clarkson. And stop. Yeah, playing. well, 
Big boy, it's Pat- back. Patton has clearly gone for the um, hundred P's tactic. No, he went for the was it the four? It's not a Quinella, is it? He tried to. He tried quaddy, to, the quaddy. He went for a quaddy. <laughs> like <laughs> Clarkson said, the four P's, and he was like, "Challenge accepted." Mate, I'll get them in an hour. Yeah, he's like, I reckon I could ruin my career in an hour. Also, um, breaking news: Big Boy McAvoy resigns. Not the four P's. Oh, okay. Extra year. Huge captaincy does that to you. Just imagine, doesn't resign. Like, ah, one year of captaincy, I'm done. There you yep. Thanks, thanks. That'll be good on my resume. I'm out. Yeah. I'm leaving the Titanic before it goes underwater. Ah, oh, mate, we're already on the way down. Yeah, the violins are playing. <laughs> the very small, the very, <laughs> very teeny tiny violin you can hear in the background for a Hawthorne supporter. Um, well, enough Hawthorne talk. Makes me sad. Um, Australia, All right, what else you got? I was open finished. Um, Asaka with the win. A legend. Good on him. Serena seemed very, very emotional in a, a press conference after the loss. Almost as if, and as she was walking off court, gave a very elongated goodbye. I'll say she I felt goodbye. As if she may not be back. Head off. Um, if she were to come back next year, she'll be 40. Wow. A legend of the game. Like dead set. Absolutely. Best ever. Um, yeah, she's won literally everything. Yeah. The, and what? How many kids she got? Two kids? Just one, I think. One? Isn't it? I reckon she just had one, didn't she? She did just have one. I thought she had one before. But yeah, had oh, a kid, won a Grand Slam after. A legend of the game. Um, yep. Djokovic won. Fuck that guy. Fuck he's gonna, Djokovic. Yeah, he's going to get to best ever status though, sadly. so best He'll ever. get past 20. He'll get past 20. Is he the best ever though? Like, will he be like, just obviously... Um, like I'll bring it back to basketball. Like Bill Russell won eleven rings, but isn't considered the best ever. That kind of thing. Is it? I think the thing that will make people consider Djokovic the best ever is the fact that he played almost his entire career against Federer and Nadal. Yeah, like it's the equivalent of LeBron playing his whole career against Kobe and MJ, and still coming out best ever. Like that is a freakish thing when you think that possibly the three greatest players ever played at the same time at the same time uh Djokovic is a is a very distant third for me (laughs) yeah except like he's still third Grand Slams was Nadal and Federer are 20 and Djokovic is 18 Fed's a bit long on the tooth though he probably doesn't have much yeah Fed's probably about finished Nadal will probably win one or two more Frenches so Djokovic is still going to have to win four or five more, but he probably loves the clay. He loves the clay, Nadal. He does, and it's in it's in the podcast yearly multi. So let's hope Nadal gets up. He's a bit of a fiend. Um, yeah, this this actually brings something up that I kind of want to talk about: um, personalities in sport versus being the best. Like obviously, Djokovic is just a just a cunt. Um, and like we saw. Margaret Court, that whole thing. Um, it might think Dawn French. Dawn Fraser? Yeah, Dawn Fraser. Dawn was Fraser. a swimmer, wasn't she? 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Margaret Court's probably a little bit different because she wasn't hated as a person when she retired. It's just been her, her post-tennis career. Whereas Djokovic is hated now. Oh, he's such a sly. <laughs> I just have this, like, just passion, passionate hatred for him. Yeah, and most Aussies do, I think. Um, and again, I think that comes from as much from him being a dick as much as, much as it comes from his main rivals being Federer, who's beloved by all, and Nadal, who's beloved by lots. Like the fact that they're so conditioned to be against Djokovic because that means because he's the main rival to their favorites. Like I think that's what yeah. turns a lot of people against him. He's the heel. Obviously, in in okay. recent years, it's been anti-vaxxing and COVID stances and complaining and stuff like that. But I think originally, what turned the sentiment against Djokovic was the fact that he wasn't Federer, wasn't Nadal. Yeah, uh, I was just whatever. Good on him for winning another one. But in terms of um, your original question, personality against being the best, mm. it's probably the difference between being the best and being the most liked. Like That's true. Michael Jordan was obviously, as people know and have seen, pretty unliked and pretty harsh and pretty brutal. Yeah. But was arguably the best or was the best until at least LeBron came along. Yeah, and LeBron's a good dude. Yeah, LeBron's a great dude. School. Yep. Underprivileged kids in his hometown. Jordan gambled for fun and, you know, yeah, he's an unsavory character, but yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's the, that's the whole argument about um, whether Gary Ablett and Wayne Carey should become legends in the AFL Hall of Fame. Mm. Cause they definitely deserve it on field wise, but off field they've don't. So like, do you reward them for their, they take that well neither of them are legends yet they're both in the hall of fame but neither of them have been elevated to legend status yet Uh, so that's the every time it comes up for um the debate about legend status that comes up ablett and carrie's off-field history yeah yeah they're obviously both in the hall but like i feel like if you're gonna have that extra level it should probably be because of extracurricular activities kind of thing do you think so though because like they are genuine legends of the game like 100 percent. like they does on field wise they deserve to be a class above everybody else that's in the hall of fame oh gary ablett is the greatest forward of all time yeah and wayne carey's probably pretty close oh arguably you you could say literally either of them and i'll be like yeah probably so like do you exclude them from getting that honor because of what they've done off the field it, it depends on your criteria to be honest yeah but that's like that's the debate like yeah. what do you think the criteria should be because i tend to think you, if it's just the footy like legend status just go by what they've done on the field but that that does make sense it's just like if you're well and that's why we have these you know community awards and um i don't know i know the nfl have uh walter Peyton man of the year which is just like has nothing to do with football and it's just like who's done great work in the community like I feel like you can separate um, yeah. what they've done on the but, field and but like the you know the, the whole uproar about the Margaret Court giving her like the higher honour 
Mm. Like, you know, she was already AO years ago, but they gave her the higher honor. And literally the reason they decided to do it was for gender equality. Because I said, Rod Laver has the higher honor, so we should get our best women's tennis player to the higher honor as well. Yeah, and then she just fucked the bus. But she'd all like she'd already fucked the bus. Yeah. So it was like they were between a rock and a hard place because they're either like we're either promoting these anti-same-sex marriage and these homophobic views, or we're being gender unequal, which will get criticized for either way. Like just imagine being Margaret Court. Um, and this is straying into our political podcast feeds. Margaret Court being marginalized as a tennis player all throughout, when did she play? Like 60s, 60s, 70s? Going through all that hardship and then turning around and turning to another marginalized community and being like, no, you're wrong. Literally the way you are is invalid. I'm like, that? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It was a different time. It's a church, but it's a church. And like, it's still, it doesn't ring so much prevalent in western society but in like the middle east and like islam societies and stuff stuff like that is still absolutely mainstream. Oh, it's it's illegal in you know saudi arabia for a woman to drive a car yeah and that um, was the political podcast <laughs> yeah that was the last haul without the haul just the last <laughs> welcome to the last and the last call did you have anything you wanted to wrap um, no, I don't think so. The two things I had were the, the four P's and the Australian Open, so I think I am good. P's. All right. Well, that was last call. Thank you so much for listening to the Last Call podcast. We will be back next week. More AFL previews, probably some cricket, possibly a golf cast. Possibly a golf cast. Hey, we'll be on the golf course. This time next week. Well, not this time. First time ever using Jamal's driver. Hey, yeah, you'll get updated driving news. Stay tuned next week. Thank you so much for listening.